Um, tonight, we're going to be beginning a new series called Different is Possible. Different is Possible. You guys might have seen that on the message notes you received when you came in. We're going to be trying that out tonight just to see if it's fun. But um, feel free to fill along as we go and uh, just take notes on it. You could just take notes on the back if you like. But um, it'll be great for you to have and just, you know, be able to reference back to it. Or, you know, uh, if you have a tribe meet the next day, you can bring your notes to there to help you talk about the message better. So it's just going to be a blast. But um, different is possible. Different is possible in our schools. It's possible in our families, in our communities. And we can see that throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture, and throughout church history, that different is possible. And how many of you guys know we might need some different here and there, right? Yeah, we might need some different. As I was making this series and this message, I was thinking about this um, Apple commercial that's older. I don't know what year it's from. But it's this Apple commercial, and they had its tagline called Think Different. And they were challenging people to think differently about the world, think differently about how computers worked or how phones worked. For a bit more of a serious tone, it's easy, right? It's easy to get to look at, you know, the news and statistics and, you know, social media and all those things that we hear about, especially, you know, it seems like culture targets like the youngest generation currently for whatever reason. I don't know why that is. I'm sure there's a reason for it. But you see a lot of stats and stuff about this generation, and it's easy to look at those and just think, that's life. That's life. That's just how it is. That's, how we, that's where we're at. That's, that's where it is, and it feels like it can't change, and there's nothing to be done about it. Um, here is some that we found, some statistics that we found about this. It's one in five students reported being bullied in 2019. So there were 56 million students that year, which means 11 million plus were bullied in 2019 alone. That's depressing. I'm just going to say, that's, that's depressing. That's not something that you want to hear. 13% report being insulted, 5% were physically bullied, and 15% were cyberbullied, just to name a few categories. It's easy to look at those and think, that's just how we are. That's just life. That's just where things are at, and that's how things are going to be. In 2017, around 22% of students seriously thought about attempting suicide. 8% did, and 3% attempted suicide, resulting in medical attention. Again, that's a very sobering thing. And it's easy to look at those and just say, that's just how it is. That's just where we're at, and that's just how things are going to be. 5.8 million individuals from ages 3 to 17 were diagnosed with anxiety, and 2.7 million were diagnosed with depression. Again, those are very sobering. That's a lot. There's a lot going on with that. And it's easy to just say, that's just how things are. That's just how things are. But what I'm wanting to tell you guys, the message of this whole series, is that different is possible. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. Those numbers don't have to keep going up. The numbers don't have to keep going up. Bullying doesn't have to keep increasing. Suicide doesn't have to keep increasing with each successful or each succeeding generation. You know, if, you can even take it on a personal note, like how your personal like mental health is going, how your spiritual life is going. If it's on a downward spiral, it doesn't have to keep doing that. Different is possible. We look at the scripture and we find out, we see a lot of things going on in scripture as well. We see that we're not alone in suffering. We're not alone in issues with our generation, especially if you look at the people of Israel. 
especially if you look at the people of Israel. It's so easy to use them as an example and put them up and be like, let's all laugh at the people of Israel because time and time again, they kept turning away from God. They kept saying, you know, they did what was evil in the eyes of God. They kept doing that time and time again. And there was especially a period of over 300 years where they kept turning away from God. That is a long time. How many of you guys know if you are in that time, if you are 300 years into suffering, slavery, pain, it's easy to think that's just how things are going to be. It's easy to think that's just how things are going to be. Thankfully, God has amazing patience. Amen. That God has amazing patience. I can attest to that in my own life. God has never given up on me. He has amazing patience even when I've done wrong. But in the, during the people of Israel, he rose up strong men and women to, to take a stand and say, you know what? Different is possible. We don't have to worship these false idols. We don't have to be stuck in slavery. We don't have to do all those things, but different is possible. And we're going to be looking at one of those later tonight. Um, but our key verse tonight is in Acts 17, verse 6. It says, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And that is our mission as Christians. It's to turn this fallen world upside down. To make it the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of man. To make it the kingdom of peace, not the kingdom of anxiety. To make it the kingdom of confidence, not the kingdom of fear. Because how many of you guys know you see a lot of kingdom of fear in our world? You see a lot of kingdom of anxiety. You see a lot of kingdom of depression. But our goal and our job is to turn this world upside down and say, you know what? You know what? The enemy is attacking us with anxiety. I'm declaring peace. He's attacking me with fear. I'm declaring confidence. He's attacking me with distrust in God. He's attacking me with doubt. I'm declaring faith. I'm declaring the kingdom of faith because that's part of the kingdom of God. And so I need a volunteer to pray for us all tonight. Are there any volunteers with us that are willing to do so. I will call out names. I got Abby over here. Let's give her a round of applause, you guys. Awesome. And if you missed it, she rocked it out on the testimony night last week. So, all right. Let's thank pray. You, Sean. All right. Let's bow your heads and let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for Sean, and I thank you for giving him a word that he's going to speak to us tonight. And God, I just hope that you to challenge us to think differently, and that doesn't have to be this way. Suicide does not have to be on the rise. Depression does not have to be on the rise. But joy and peace and faith in God is going to be on the rise in Jesus' name. Gen Z is no longer a generation of suicide in the name of Jesus. And help us to declare that tonight as Sean preaches this word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That's good. That's awesome. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. So God is on the move. He's looking for men and women. He's looking for people within this generation to rise up and say different is possible. Different is this. So how many of you guys believe that God has a lot of power? Let's just say, you know, God just has a lot of power. I, I know that's even an understatement in itself. He's got a lot of power. We've talked before about how much God can use someone that is fully devoted and set apart to him, how far they will go. Someone who's just with reckless advantage of saying, yes, God, I'm saying yes to you. I don't even know what's on it. I'm, I'm signing the dotted line at the bottom of the paper, and I'm going to let you fill it out, right? That is, that's reckless obedience right there. I'm going to sign the contract before I even know what it says. We all do that with terms and conditions anyways. You have no idea what we were signing away with that. We might as well be doing that with God as well. But, you know, uh, I said this already, but, you know, last night at our weekly prayer gathering, which, by the way, happens on Tuesday nights, 7 to 8.30. You should totally come. It's a blast. 
But last night at our weekly prayer gathering, I shared a um, scripture and something that God was sharing with me. Um, and he was impressing on me to share that when, when we want revival to spark out, it starts with allowing revival to spark in. Revival to spark inside of you. If we want to see that happen elsewhere, it's got to happen in us first. It's got to happen. It's got to start with your yes. It's got to start with giving God permission to say yes to his will over your relationships, to say yes to his will over your worship, to say yes over his will for your emotions. Because when we say yes to God, there is power in that yes. Not because we have power, but because what's behind the yes has power. Let me, let me explain it this way. I, I've heard it a, you know, a while ago, Pastor Aaron, he shared this illustration with some guys. I don't believe he ever shared it on a Sunday. But he said, I want you to imagine God's power is like the entire ocean contained in a big glass container. Like if we can even picture that, the entire ocean contained in a glass container. And at the bottom of the container, there's a pipe that goes for all the way from the ocean and into your room. And that at the end of that pipe, there's like a nozzle. And that is a rough picture of God's power, but your yes is turning the nozzle on. Your yes is saying, I, God, I'm allowing you to move in my life. The only power your yes has is just turning it on. But there is power behind that. And that power is God's infinite power of the you know, entire ocean, even though that's, that's even in itself a rough uh, description of it. I've heard it another way, and this is a bit more uh, different, but like, it's, I want you to imagine, you know, we, all have, we all carry phones around, that your phone does not contain the entire internet, right? Your phone does not contain the entire internet. It just accesses to the internet. And that's what the yes is. Yes is connecting to the internet. And I want to talk about, I, told, I hinted at it earlier, but I want to talk about a man in the time of Israel. Um, he was actually the king of Judah who, what? His phone just connected to the internet. Let's just say that he allowed God's power to happen inside of him. It's in 2 Kings chapter 18. It says this. It says, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king. I'm 24, so he's like just a little bit older than me. He was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right inside of the Lord. Remember how he said Israel did what was evil inside the Lord time and time again. But this time he did what was right inside of the Lord. He did the good things. He removed the high places. He broke the sacred pillars. He cut down the wooden image, broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses made. What he's saying is he went through the land and he started tearing down the false idols. He said, you know what? We've been doing this for 300 years. Different as possible. I'm going to do what was right inside of God, even when the entire country around me is doing wrong. That takes faith. That takes, like, radical obedience to be able to do that. In verse 5, it says, He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among the kings of Judah, nor, were, nor who were before him. This guy was insane. There was, like, nobody else that could compare to him of how well he obeyed God. For he fell fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but he kept the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Here's the thing. God's power works when we turn it on. 
God's power works when we turn it on. King Hezekiah, he connected his phone to the Wi-Fi. He turned on the spout. However you want to describe it, he turned on God's power. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go with this bold obedience and this reckless obedience. And I'm going to allow God's power to move through me and to make change around me and to say different as possible. To say different is possible. We see that in King Hezekiah. We, he saw the situation Israel was in. And instead of complaining about it to God or to others, he, he said just took it, he took responsibility and said, why should I turn aside when I'm the one that needs to step up? Instead of complaining about it, he said, I'm going to take care of my circle of influence. I know it's only one kingdom in the whole world, but if, hey, if I can make a difference in this circle, I'm obeying God. If I can make a difference in the area I'm in, I will step up and do it. You see, Hezekiah took responsibility over his area of influence that he had. And for him, that was a very large area. <laughs> That's a lot larger of an area we will ever have. But we all have our areas of influence. One way to put it is you all have your kingdoms of influence. Um, I saw we've been seeing this trend on uh, TikTok that every friend group has a friend group leader. Have you guys heard of that, that before? Okay, so every friend group, there's this theory that every friend group has a friend group leader inside the group. Um, how many of you, and basically, they, you know, they make like the decisions, they decide where we're going to go eat out and, you know, what movie we're going to watch. How many of you guys are brave enough to think that you're the friend group leader in the group? Okay, we've got a couple, couple people. Okay, I saw this uh, tweet the other day. We can go ahead and throw it up on the screen. When you met his friend group and he is not the leader. <laughs> Thumbs down, red flags everywhere. But here's the thing, here's the thing. Whether you're the leader or not, it doesn't matter. You have responsibility over your friend group. You have responsibility over your friend group. That might take a little bit to set in. That might set in next week even. But you do. Whether you think you have a lot of influence or not, you are in that group, you're in that circle of influence for a reason. You are put there for a reason. And you are responsible for being obedient to God. You have a responsibility over your friend group, whether you like it or not. Unfortunately, whether you like it or not. Because we have been given responsibility, even if your group is all, are all, you know, 100% saved, on fire for Jesus, up front during worship every single week. You know, they're starting Bible studies at their schools. We are still responsible for encouraging them, empowering them, giving them life, you know, equipping them, bringing guidance to them, bringing accountability to them, checking up on them, praying over them, asking how things are going. We're still responsible for our friend group no matter what, but especially if they're not saved, especially if they're maybe half Christians or maybe their family only goes to church on Christmas and Easter. You are responsible for your friend group. You're responsible for not necessarily having debates about whether the Bible's true or not. I'm not saying that at all. I don't think that, honestly, I don't think that works. I don't think that's how we get people saved at all. But you're responsible by showing them the love of Christ. You're responsible by showing them the life and how much God changed them. You're responsible by not being afraid to share the gospel. That doesn't mean you never talk about Jesus. We just don't debate people into the kingdom, right? <laughs> that's not how God does it. Bible says that they will know we are his children by our love. It's his kindness that led us to repentance. And we're called to do the same. We're called to bring kindness and love everywhere we go. And sometimes to do the loving thing is to speak the truth boldly. Sometimes that is the loving thing to do. But we always do it in love. I'm going to read this passage 
out of Romans 12. I don't have it on the screen. Um, it's out of the Passion Translation, so you can just listen to what I'm saying. But it says, in the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. And so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've all been mingled together in one body in Christ. This means we are vitally joined to one another with everyone contributing to everyone else. So you can think about this like a friend group, like a solid Christian friend group, or like this church right here, that's what this is saying, is that we are the body of Christ. We're the family of Christ. Everyone you're sitting next to in this room, we are a family, and we have a connection to each other. We have a reason to be here. God's marvelous grace imparts us each with varying gifts. So if God's giving you the grace gift of prophecy, activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others. If the grace gift is teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If it's encouragement, then use it to encourage others. If it's giving to, giving to meet the needs of others, then prosper by giving generosity, generosity without fanfare. If it's leadership, be passionate about your leadership. And if, you, if, the, if it's compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. Let the inner movement of your heart Always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor by wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace what is good. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourself in respect and honor for each other. I love that passage of scripture, man. I think that is one of the most important passages in the entire Bible. It's saying even if you are super talented and you have this grace gift of whatever, fill in the blank, it's still focused on loving and serving your family. It's still focused on loving and serving your friend group and the people around you. You can see how our Christian walk and our lives are intertwined with others. When we go places, you know, like our friend group or our family or our church, we bring about a culture about ourselves. You know, wherever we go, we bring an atmosphere, a culture, you know, we, a, a, a culture. And a culture is a combination of the attitudes and behaviors of a specific people group. And that's like a general definition of that. And, you know, it's typically targeted towards people groups. But how many of you guys know that you have a culture about you as well? That everywhere you go, you bring about an atmosphere. You bring about a behavior. And so I've heard, I've heard culture best described as this. It's culture is a combination of what you permit and what you promote. Is a combination, the culture, the atmosphere about you, the behavior you carry with you when you go to your friend group or your family or your church is a combination of those two things. It's the things that you are allowing and the things that you are promoting. And let me give you an example. I wanna use um, my personal family as an example. Um, there are things that you know culture does on purpose to make things happen. And um, in my family, we promote Good things. We promote encouraging each other. We promote spending time together. We promote spending time with God. We promote using our gifts and callings to help each other out. Um, me and my wife actually wrote a family uh, mission statement for our family. We have a picture of that on the screen, I believe. Yeah, it's kind of hard to read, but it says to connect people to God and others and to empower them to live out their innate design. And that's what we feel like our mission is as a married couple and as a family, is to do those things. And so we put that up on the bedroom wall in our room, and this, these are things that we promote. We're promoting, we're saying, hey, this is what we're doing, this is our culture, this is our atmosphere, this is our behavior. That's only one part of culture, right? That's only one half of it. 
The other half is this. The other half of culture is a little bit more elusive. It's a little bit more subconscious. It's the things that we are allowing in. It's the things that we are permitting to come in. And that doesn't necessarily need to be bad things, but a lot of times it, they are. And so some things in my family that we permit, that we may not want to permit, is spending too much time watching TV before bed. You know, like I'm guilty of this like every single night. Like just like sitting on my phone on TikTok like all night long. It's, uh, you know, we want to promote eating dinner together, but a lot of times it doesn't end up being that way. We a lot of times eat, up, eat dinner in front of the TV. And instead of having a conversation, we're watching whatever's on the TV. Those are things that we have permitted into our life that are still there that we haven't dealt with. It's, having, it's watching TikTok instead of having family time. Those are things that we have permitted to come into our life instead of allowing them. And we have allowed things to get in the way of the things that are important to us. And so our culture as a family is a combination of the two things I've said, the things that we're actively going out and saying, this is our family, this is our marriage, this is what's important to us, and a combination of other things that are like, you know what, that's fine. You know, I probably shouldn't do that, but, you know, no one else knows. It's fine. I'm just going to allow it for now, and I'll deal with it later. And that's what culture is. That's what the two things, the two sides of culture and what I want to tell you is that, you know, a family has a culture, a church has a culture, a business has a culture, a nation has a culture, but you have a culture as well. We each have our own individual cultures, our atmospheres, our behaviors. And your culture, need, it, your culture is different than the culture of your family and your parents. That's not to say that it's, you know, that your parents have a bad culture but it's, it, it should be its own thing. It should be different. It doesn't have to be the same. Some of you guys have amazing role models to look up to. And that's great. Use those as, use their culture as inspiration as you build in your own culture. Use those as examples. You see what they do right, and then even see what they do wrong of what you might want to change. But that is an amazing thing to have, is healthy parents as role models for your own culture. And others, we don't have great role models at home. We don't have that. I want to encourage you, spend time with God. Use the Bible as your source. Use God as your source. Create your own culture that honors and respects him everywhere you are. Find good role models at church or at school that are solid Christians elsewhere and use them and see what a healthy culture looks like and start taking notes of what that looks like. And so here's how this ties back into our friendships. You cannot take others where you have not been. You cannot take others where you have not been. Some of you guys are going to start a prayer club at your school. That is amazing. You better be praying at home, though. <laughs> you better be praying at home. Some of you guys want to, you know, be pastors or teachers. That is great, but you better be studying your Bible. You can't take others where you have not been. You can't take others where you have not been. And if you want to be influencing your friend group, if you want to change and say different is possible in my friend group, you need to create that inward culture about you, that inward culture of love and respect. And uh, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. I want to invite the worship team to come on up right now. Um, I didn't tell you guys this. Just, could you guys just like play softly for this next part? Thank you, Kelsey. Kelsey's amazing. Kelsey's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's important to um, recognize that your culture affects other people around you. 
I've heard it said that this, that in a fleet of ships, of like ships on the sea, there are two ways to take down the fleet. One of those is to just directly attack them with another fleet. Just, you know, start using the cannons and just start shooting them with the cannons and just take down, make them sink from the outside with just an opposing threat. And obviously we see that a lot. We see that a lot in our Christian walk. We see that a lot in our, you know, culture that, you know, the enemy is always trying to find ways to attack Christians. Another way to take down a fleet is to sabotage it from the inside and to sabotage it from the inside. And I believe we see this way more inside of Christians, inside of the church, is an internal sabotage where maybe some of the mechanisms stop working in the ship. Maybe they stop doing that. And what happens is because the ships are close together, one of the ships starts to drift and then to collide into the other ships, which causes a damage. And that's why it's so important to have that internal culture about us. And so every one of you guys should have got message notes um, when you guys walked in. And um, under the Make It Personal section, I want us to take about you know, 60 seconds and to think and pray and write down one or two things that you believe you've been permitting in your life. And this could look like bigger things, such as like uh, addiction to lust or um, a bad relationship or whatever that looks like, or it could be small things, like maybe it's a lack of discipline in your prayer life, or maybe it's, uh, you know, timidness in sharing the gospel. I'm not going to fill in the blanks for you guys, but I want you, I want you guys to just take a moment as they play. They're just going to be playing softly and just pray and ask God, what are one or two things that you believe you've been permitting in your life? I'm going to be doing the same up here as well. part, um, I'm just going to ask you to circle one thing in the list below that you need to promote in your life to replace what you've permitted. And so that might be a lifestyle of worship, prayer, uh, discipline, accountability, maybe more wisdom, and feel free to use the other as well. But I believe God's kingdom is not about what you are disallowing but it's way more about what you are allowing in. We're not called to just reject sin, but we're called to invite his kingdom. It's all about bringing his kingdom down. So take a moment and circle what you need to replace that with.
finally, we've got a challenge at the bottom there that um, to find a verse that matches with what you circled and put it somewhere you're going to see it every day. And a good way to do this is just to Google verses about worship or verses about accountability and then find one or two of those, you know, write it down, put it on your lock screen, put a sticky note on your whatever and just be able to see it every day. So that way you're beginning to every day, instead of focusing on what's bad, you're focusing on what God wants to do inside of you. And that is so important to do. It's to, we're not focusing on sin, but we're focusing on the goodness of God. So let's all stand up tonight as we wrap up here. Um, we're going to be entering into one last time of worship before we head out. And I just want to say one more thing is that God can do amazing things with your yes. God can do incredible things with your yes. If you're willing to give it all to God, if you're willing to say yes to him, God will take you places. He'll take you places you never thought you'd be able to go. He'll take you to places that are deeper in him, that are um, further along than you think you should be um, in your spiritual walk with God. It's been an incredible time. So let's all lift up our hands right now. Just Father God, we just praise you in this place. We thank you so much for what you've done in this, in our hearts. Because God, we say yes to you. We say yes to you. We say yes to your plans. We say yes to you, God. Jesus, we just ask that you just take us deeper, to take us further, God, that we're, we want to be just one step closer to looking like you every single day. So let's worship.
inside of us. Thank you for the opportunity that we even get to choose to love you. I know free will makes things hard, but it makes the love so much stronger. And so we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done inside of us. We just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Let's make a joyful noise. Awesome. It's great, you guys. Awesome. Well, we've got Come Pray for Your School uh, invites out there. And also, uh, Tribes is next week, not tomorrow night. But if you want to know more about Tribes, talk to me. Talk to a leader. But uh, thank you guys so much for coming. We're going to be... Continuing next week with our very own Chloe Maine. She's going to be speaking next week, so be there for that. It's awesome. All right, you guys are dismissed. I'll see you guys next week.